This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Christopher Vernon Hyde was a 23-year-old living in Orlando, Florida in early 2000. However, on June 25, 2003, he was sighted in Bradenton, Florida. How he got there? Nobody knows. Unfortunately, he was never seen again. I'm Ed Densel, and this is Unfound. lot of ground so far on this show, haven't we? The show's been around for, what, three to four months? I don't know exactly how many episodes that breaks down to. It gets a little confusing because some of the episodes, the way they are now, uh, were originally long episodes that I ended up breaking up into two. Because I think when people see a show that's going to be over two hours long, they get a little intimidated by that. But just to go through a short list of the kinds of cases we've covered so far, we've had some women who have disappeared probably because of jealous boyfriends. We've done a show on sex trafficking. We covered the possible theft of an airplane. Still not sure what happened there. And we've covered a few cases where victims simply vanished into thin air. So we've pretty much run the gamut so far. But with today's show, we're going to go in a totally new direction. And that direction is those people who really didn't have any enemies, weren't sex trafficked, didn't necessarily vanish into thin air because somebody made them disappear, but those people in our society, who simply fall through the cracks. Something happens in their life. Maybe they have their own issues going on, maybe a bad home situation, a bad financial situation. And somehow or another, one day they're here, the next day they're gone, And the suspicion is that nothing particularly bad happened to them. It's just they kind of just went away. That is the kind of case we're going to be covering today because I know as I go through the charlieproject.org site, I see a lot of cases exactly like this one. In fact, I would say a case like we are covering today is very, very common, but they don't get a lot of attention mainly because there aren't a lot of facts, there aren't a lot of witnesses. Uh, The person could be in one state today and another state tomorrow, and nobody knows how that person got there. I guess some people might call these people homeless, or they're just undocumented. They don't have jobs, at least there's no paperwork that can be tracked down. And in the normal sense of the word... 
I'm not even sure that these people technically fall under the term missing. In fact, they may not even know that anybody is looking for them. They're just going about their day, could be in any state uh, in this country, just going about their business as they do, and they don't know that they maybe have a parent or a brother or a sister or some friend or a relative who is looking for them. They just don't know, but they're just kind of off the grid. That is the kind of case we're covering today. And I think it's important to cover cases like this, not just because they don't get a lot of attention, I guess, on true crime shows or missing person shows. But my fear is that a lot of those people who are currently alive, once again, out there on the streets of the United States, they have friends, they have family They, I believe, have people looking for them, but a lot of times that family, those friends don't find that person until it's too late. And it could be in some of these cases, these people who are on the streets in the United States, just once again, living kind of under the radar, off the grid, don't know that people are looking for them, that people care about them. They may pass away and... Then what happens? They end up on one of these sites. Can you identify this person? And we've all been to those sites. I'm trying to prevent that with this case today. The real good news about this case, I believe, is there's every reason to believe that Christopher Vernon Hyde is still alive. I really believe that. Uh, He's missing from the Bradenton area, as I stated in the opening. And if he is a person who is maybe living on the streets or uh, has a place to live, but we just can't track it down using the normal means of the internet, and his sister Lila, who is my interview for this episode, my guest, talks a little bit about that. If he is still in the Bradenton area, uh, I don't have to tell all of you that the weather here is a place where you can live year-round. Year and it's not like being undocumented and under the radar, off the grid, however you want to put it, in Pennsylvania or Maine or North Dakota, someplace like that, where the conditions can be much more harsh. So I think that is in Christopher's favor. And I think that with this episode, with my interview with his sister Lila, that we can get some people on the case, people in that that area of Bradenton and Sarasota, to get Christopher's picture out there. And maybe somebody has seen him, and we can make this reunion happen. However, for all of you who don't live in the Florida area and might not be able to cite Christopher on the streets somewhere, maybe you've run into him in the last few years. I think that all of you can learn something from the story that you're going to hear from Lila about how things just, they just sometimes go wrong in people's families. Just, uh, and she is the best person to try to explain it, but I don't want anybody to think that her story is unique. I think that there are stories 
like her story and Christopher's story all across this nation about how some of these people, men and women, just end up falling through the cracks. And at some point, the family starts looking for them and can't find them. So it's something that we can learn from this episode on top of the fact of trying to track Christopher down. Before we get into the interview, I need to thank Cynthia Caron from LostAndMissing.com. She was the person who told me about Christopher Vernon Hyde's case and put me in contact with his sister, Lila. I've enjoyed getting to know Lila. We've talked on the phone many times, and she's texted me many times, and I've enjoyed getting to know her, and I fully support uh, her desire to get back in contact uh, with her brother. So I thank Cynthia uh, for doing that uh, for Lila and for me. I remind you, you can follow me on Twitter, Unfound Podcast. You can email me, unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. You can join our discussion group on Facebook. Of course, it's called the Unfound Discussion Group. And please like, share, subscribe this show at Podomatic and iTunes. As a programming note, this will be the last show for 2016. Unfound will return January 6th, 2017. And my guest will be Tad Tobias, an attorney who has become famous for his concentration on disappearance cases, murder cases, where there is no body. I look forward to that show, and I hope you do too. And I need to give a shout-out to all the listeners. I see you posting about this show. I appreciate you retweeting anything that I put on Twitter. I know that you said a lot of nice things about this show in various places all over the Internet, and I deeply, deeply appreciate it. Um, your work, your good words do not go unnoticed. Uh, I can assure you of that. And for all of you, you should really know something. We are making a difference. Even in the short time that this show has existed, already two new leads have been generated in two separate cases. So one lead per case. I think I told you a couple shows ago that a lead had been generated in one case, and of course I can't tell you what that case is. Well, we now have another case that I covered where a new lead has been generated that's going to be investigated. So that's what I want to do with this show, and hopefully we can do that with this particular show covering the disappearance of Christopher Hyde. Before you get to listen to my interview with Lila, I need to remind you that I think this is her first interview that she's ever done regarding the disappearance of her brother. This is very much unlike the other people who I've had on this show who have been interviewed before, have been on TV, have been on radio, have done other true crime uh, podcasts, have appeared on there and been asked questions. Uh, I think they were used to talking for about an hour. I'm not so sure that, that is Lila's case. So I just ask you to keep that in mind as the interview continues. I think that she did a great job. I think that she represented herself, her family, her brother very well. But since this is the first interview I believe she's done about her brother, I just ask you to keep that in mind uh, as the interview progresses. 
I now give you my interview with Lila Savoy, sister of Christopher Hyde. I am so happy to have on this episode of Unfound, Christopher's sister, Lila Savoy. Lila, welcome to the show. Hi. Tell the listeners uh, a little bit about your brother. What, what do the listeners need to know about uh, Christopher, you know, and, and why you loved him so much? Um, Chris um, was kind, he was giving, he was quiet, and he was always very smart. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a good brother, is a good brother. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I remember about Chris is uh, we were at the mall um, years back. And he sat down at a piano, and just out of the blue, he started playing it perfectly. Is and that he'd right? never played, yeah. And he'd never played piano ever before. That's um, an amazing story, Lila. That's not something you've ever told me before. That is, that is amazing. Was it uh, like pop music or classical, or do you remember what the tune was? Or was it just something off the top of his head? It was something off the top of his head, but it sounded um, classical. Wow. It sounded really good. And he never had a lesson. He never had a lesson. Wow. How old do you think he would have been? Was this sometime in the 1990s, I guess? How old was he when this happened? Um, this would have been in the, um, yeah, it would have been in the 1990s. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe when he was about um, 10 or so. Oh, my. Wow, that must have uh, gotten a little bit of an audience uh, there at the mall. It, it could have, but the store wasn't extremely busy. Oh, okay. Okay, well, uh, yeah, you're limited by the amount of people there, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It, do you... Um, did he ever show an interest? I mean, no, no uh, lessons. But had he ever shown any interest to that point in his life about becoming a musician or learning an instrument or anything like that? No, not not very much. But he he liked to sing mm-hmm. uh, and make up his own songs. Yeah. Was he your older brother or your younger brother? My younger brother. Younger brother. And did you feel, uh, you know, protective of him? And is, is that kind of what continues, you know, to this day? You're the older sister looking out for him? Yeah, I've, I've always been protective over Chris. Yeah. Ever since he was little. Right. Right. But at some point, though, in your, your family dynamic, you and he, and it, I, I guess he was your boyfriend at the time, you had to move uh, from Texas to, to Florida. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, my father, who hadn't been in our lives since we were um, little kids, um, had showed up. And this is after us not knowing where he'd been for years and years. Mm-hmm. You were raised You were raised by your mother? Yes, we were raised by our mom. Okay. And so it was me, Chris, and our brother, Eric. And Eric was a musician. Oh, okay. Um. But it was um, a little bit after um, our mom died. He, he showed up that once. And-
then your uh, dad did yeah that mm -hmm. one and then uh we um eric and i just spent maybe just a a, a little bit of time with him maybe about an hour mm -hmm. and he was actually he was um back in texas just for that little bit because his uh, sister um our aunt had just passed away okay and he uh, went back to Florida, and then um, apparently he had been trying to talk our brother Eric into um, going out to Florida with him. Mm -hmm. But Eric, Chris, and myself, we were all um, living together after our mom died. We, you know, we yeah. were just, we were staying in the same place. We, yeah. we were all really close. Yeah. And uh, a little bit after that, maybe about a year and a couple of months after um, our mom died, then Eric died. He was in a uh, car wreck, wasn't he? Yeah, he was in a car accident. And hmm. uh, our mom died in 95. Eric died in 97. Hmm. Um, after that, our father came back again. And how did that How did that affect Chris, you know, with... Was he close to your mom? Really close? He was really close to our mom. Uh huh. And brother too. Yes. And how did yeah. how did he take those things? How did I handle it? I, we um, maybe it should be stated for the record that Chris did have some, you know, um, what do we want to call it? A little bit of autism and, and some other um, issues that he was never technically diagnosed with. So, how did he, in his way, you know, handle these things? Uh, Chris was really withdrawn. Mm -hmm. um, he became even more withdrawn after our, our mom died. Mm -hmm. um, he wasn't taking care of his hygienic needs. Mm -hmm. um, not even in preparing himself food. I would always bring him his food, and Eric would do the same thing when Eric was alive. Mm-hmm. Um, but after our mom died, it did make a big, big change in, in Chris. He, he was already a bit withdrawn. He'd been with, mm. um, he changed when he was uh, 15, really. I mean, there were always ongoing issues when he was younger than that, too. Yeah. He always had a, a severe speech impediment. Mm -hmm. um, but when our mom died, mm -hmm. everything just got worse yeah. and then Eric dying all of a sudden just it took a toll it took a toll on yeah on us on Chris yeah and you too right you too yeah yeah you yeah. too and because it you know because it was like you two are the, the ones left yeah we yeah were, yeah we were the left yeah and so this is what eventually motivated you and and Chris, and I guess now your husband, I, I, but was he your boyfriend at the time, to move. You know, yeah. even though your dad hadn't been in your life a lot, you kind of molded it over and said maybe this is a good choice. Yeah, he invited us, so. Okay. I thought, yeah, I thought that we could try to get to know him, and it didn't work out.
And what happened when you, so you, you moved here into Florida in what year? I live in Florida. The listeners should know. Um, but you moved down here, and, and how long were you here, and what happened while you were here? And what, what, were the, what was the time frame of that? We moved down there in 97. We were there for maybe about a year and a half, mm -hmm. two years. And mm -hmm. when we came down there, I had brought Chris down there with, with us. Mm -hmm. um, with, uh, with me and, and my husband. Mm -hmm. uh, Chris didn't question it at all because he was following me, his, his sister. His sure. Sister. Sure. And um, we were down there, and my husband lost both of his jobs. So we ended up having to come back out here to Texas. And that was in the Orlando area where you lived for that time? Yes, we were okay. in Orlando. And how did Chris handle moving from Texas to, you know, what was what was his demeanor? How did he feel about moving, you know, like a thousand miles away? Chris didn't question it because mm -hmm. I was making the decision and he was listening and following me. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how did you? And how did everybody get along? Once again, um, you. Yeah, it's just trying to establish what the what the dynamics were at, at that time. How did Chris get along with his his dad? Um, it wasn't good. It was it wasn't bad either, but it mm -hmm. wasn't. Our father showed no initiative mm -hmm. on getting a real relationship. Okay. Um, with either one of us, with Chris. Um, I was hoping that things would get better with Chris when I, when we, uh, my husband and myself came back yeah. to Texas. Yeah. But apparently things didn't get better. Apparently they just got worse. So what happened was, as you said, your husband lost his two jobs and you two were forced to move back to Texas, but because of your financial situation, you couldn't bring Chris with you. Chris stayed here in Florida. Yeah, I would have brought him yeah. if we had our own place to go into. Yeah. But we were coming back to Texas to stay with my husband's father, okay. who had a two-bedroom apartment. Yeah. And that didn't work out too well. Okay, all right. Um, did you have? Were you worried about that? Leaving him there with your did that was something was that a concern of yours? Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to. Didn't as want soon to. as we drove off, even before that, I told Chris that I would be back and get him. Mm -hmm. um, then we drove off. Chris was watching us as as we drove off. Mm -hmm. I know it's tough. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, but you did end up getting back to Texas. He's with your father. And how many times uh, after you left did you get to talk to him? And did you talk to your father? And what did you think was going on? And this would have been sometime in in '99 into 2000. What did your dad tell you what was going on here in Florida? And you got to speak to Chris once. What did he say after you left? Once you got back to Texas. Uh, when I spoke with Chris. Um he said everything was fine, and I thought everything was fine. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I didn't know there was anything wrong. Okay. Um, and but, that was the last time I spoke with him. But you only got after you moved away from Texas. You only got to ever speak to Chris once again, once more. Yeah, once more. And how long ago? How long after you left Florida was that? Was like two weeks later, a month later? Uh, I'm thinking it was probably. I'm gonna say it was probably about a month, month later. Okay. Month, two months later. So this is like late '99, late late 1999, something like that. Yeah, and when I spoke with him, he was no longer staying with. Our father, he was staying with our father's girlfriend's family. Wow. Did he uh, explain to you why that was? Did your dad ever explain to you why that was? Uh, no. No. No, all I heard was that um, everything was fine. I, I didn't get any negative um, words from... Mm -hmm. Chris or from Burn, my father. Okay. So after that first time, though, you tr would try calling back after that and tried to talk to Chris. And what would happen when you asked about Chris with your father? What would happen? Uh, my father would get angry with me um, because I was constantly asking him if he knew where Chris was. Hmm. He would tell me Chris was at one place or Chris was at another place, which were friends of his, and I'd ask him where those friends lived, who were they, and he would basically tell me he couldn't remember and he didn't know who they were, or he didn't remember their address. Mm -hmm. This had to worry you, didn't it? Yeah, it did. But you couldn't, but in your situation that you were in, you just, you're kind of handcuffed, right? You just, just stuck in a, in, a, in a bad situation here, moving back to Texas and really not having you know the financial or the accommodations for Chris. Yeah. Okay. And when did you start getting suspicious that you know things weren't quite the way you thought and I mean at what point after how long did you start figuring out what's well, really weird every time I call to talk to Chris I can never talk to him anymore. I mean after a few yeah. months, after a few months, after a year. After a few months, um, mm -hmm. after um, I just absolutely did not know where he was, did not know how to track him down or anything. And I'm trying to do all this from long distance, but I was yeah. just, and I was hearing all these things and my father was saying, he was saying, Chris was doing really good. Chris was working uh working for these guys he was which know, wasn't was, something that you found to be uh quite believable was it no i didn't it just it didn't feel right to me what I, what I, didn't feel right to you why didn't it feel right because of all the problems chris had been having yeah i didn't see chris being able to all of a sudden touch a doorknob take showers regularly feed himself you know, fix himself food. Yeah. Um, socialize with people. I just did not see that because that's not how Chris was had ever been, and I knew my brother. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. And all the time, 
your father saying that everything is okay. So, you know, what happens in 2001, 2002, 2003, you don't have an opportunity to come back to Florida to, you know, um, to, you know, get him. I mean, what, what was going on in that time? What were you talking over with your husband about, you know, I'm sure you're trying to get your own place and maybe try to bring Chris back uh, from Florida. Why, why, what, what got in the way of that? I couldn't find Chris. I couldn't find him. I didn't know where he was. I was told by our father that at a certain point, I was told that Chris went overseas to go work with the guys that he was working with. And, hmm. and I was trying to be positive. So I began mm. to think, well, maybe there is a chance. Mm-hmm. But throughout all that time, though, I still looked. I did. I sent a message to my brother on uh, a website. It's a website that people can contact people on. I think it's Fantangle or something mm-hmm. like that. I wrote. The, I spoke with the Social Security office. They said that um, they can. They notify people if you're trying to get in contact with them. Um, and I told them I was looking for my brother. So they said that if I wrote a letter to the Social Security office requesting for them to send a letter to Chris, that they would. But I would also have to put a letter that I wrote for Chris in the same envelope. So I did that. When I did that, um, I never got a, a reply back. And they had told me before that if you don't get a reply back, that means that person doesn't want to contact you. Mm-hmm. So I called the Social Security office back. And they said that there was nothing they could do because that was all I did. Um, you know, I, mm. they just said there was nothing I could do. And um, I told them that, you know, I, I thought my brother might be homeless. You mm. know, well, he wouldn't have an address. But that was a dead end. I went on um, find, it, find People websites. I can't remember. Mm. Okay. Exactly which one I went on. I pulled up some addresses for Chris. None of them, I've called those numbers. None of them were mm. successful contacts. I didn't and get it, any help. And it doesn't help that Christopher Hyde is, I wouldn't say it's a common name, but there are many men in the United States with that name. You know, So yeah. you could be contacting several people who are not even related to you. They have the, you know, the same name, but they're not your, you know, they're not your brother at all. So that's also, you know, it's not that unique of a, you're not uh, unique of a name. Um, so, so to th- you're just taking for, so what were you thinking at the time? Were you were thinking maybe this did happen, maybe he did go to another country, maybe he did move out on his own? You were, were you just trying to keep like a, a positive thoughts in all this? Because I, I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm going to guess that the listeners are probably wondering why didn't she just jump in her car? at some point and drive back to Florida and, you know, and, you know, try to find him or confront her father, you know, take him, you know, him take you to where he thought, you know, Chris was. Did, did you ever think about doing that? Uh, my father, I continuously asked him mm-hmm. um, about Chris, where Chris might be. Um, he never gave me anything. Like, like I said earlier, he'd get angry with me. 
And as yeah. for being able to get out there to Florida, yeah, we just couldn't afford it. It was myself. Uh, we had children that mm-hmm. were just babies and toddlers. Yeah. Um, okay. It was just it just wasn't possible. Okay. Let's All I could do was try to find him online and through the phone. And I called the police department. I mm-hmm. tried to report him missing. And they wanted to know where he was missing from. I told them that I did not know his last address. I mean, other than the numbers that I found online, I did not know his last address. Um, They wanted to know. um, I couldn't even come down there and do a police report. I mean, a missing persons report. It's, I just, I did not have, we did not have the funds. You know, yeah. I understand. I'm sure the listeners understand too, as well, Lila. So, but 2000, uh, since the last time you talked to him was early 2000, you just take for granted that he's off on his own somewhere. You're just crossing your fingers that oh, everything's okay. Now, what changed you? You, of course, you're a mother, uh, you're, you're a wife, you're taking care of your kids. Then all these years later, you've started to, to look for him again. And what are some of the things? Uh, that you found out just within the like the last year with the help of uh, you know I, I tried to help you a little bit uh, and you know Cynthia Karen who was the person who uh, uh, told you to get in, in touch with me so we could do this interview. What are those some of these things that you, that you found out since then? Well, I've been looking for Chris. Mm-hmm. I never gave up on looking for him. Mm-hmm. I've been looking for him for years, but um, you had suggested that I call the last place that the police department um, had said that my brother was at. All right, and, wh- and where was that place? Um, that was New Life Ministries. Right. Now, the interesting and, thing about this is where is it? Uh, it's in Sarasota. Right. Right, and it's, so it's nowhere near Orlando, which is where you left, Chris, and that's where your father lived uh, for all these years. Yes. But you, you contacted him. Now, it should be stated for the record, your father is not alive anymore, is he? No, he's not. No. Did you ever get to see him before he died or not? Uh, I, I did. Mm-hmm. I uh, went up there to Florida. Um, our congregation... Mm-hmm. That um, he attended, well, his congregation that he attended mm-hmm. um, was working with, um, I guess he had enough money just to take care of some things having to do with um, um, his youngest daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and they helped me to get out there. They actually paid for the plane ticket with his money to help me to get out there and oh, okay. see him. Okay. And, I and what year was there. this? What year was this? Uh, that was this year. This year, just 2016. Okay. And did Chris's name come up? I brought it up plenty of times, but mm. nobody would offered me any help. They just wanted me just to hurry up, get there, take care of my younger sister and go. 
did you have a chance to ask your dad about Chris one last time before he passed away? When he was there, he wasn't able to talk. He was too oh, sick. He was okay. in hospice care. Okay. Okay. But I never stopped talking about Chris. I even asked mm -hmm. somebody, one of his friends who I was staying with when I went down there, um, if she could take me to the police department, and that did not work. It, nobody wanted to have anything to do with this. No. Before we get into the New Life Ministries uh, uh, story, which is interesting and, and, of course, is especially relevant because it's somewhat recently, you have had other people kind of look into it, into Chris's disappearance in the periphery, and you – You've gotten. We aren't going to mention any names or any agencies or anything like that. That's not what we do on this show. But you have gotten some, a little bit of strange. Uh, tell us the story about. He was allegedly seen in strip clubs, and somebody told you that. Yeah, it was a, a private detective that I contacted. Mm -hmm. uh, she works with the missing persons organization, and I found her on uh, the her. Uh, Okay, that's all, we, that's all we really want to say about it. Okay, but she okay. this is what she found out. Yes, but the detective, the um, the, op, the police detective that's working on the case, though, mm -hmm. never confirmed that he was going to strip clubs and all that. That was mm -hmm. something that, that she had said, and then I was told by the detective that a lot of the things she found out were, were incorrect. So I don't know either way. Just don't know what like just don't know what to make of that at all. She she never offered you any proof of that. In fact, I can remember when you told me that in one of our previous conversations. I was thinking, you know, how would how would somebody ever find that? Was he using a credit card? Did they use a credit card trace or you know something like that to do that? But you just have no idea, no idea, yeah. no idea. And I did not, yeah. Were there any other any other information once again before you and I started talking that any information about Chris that somebody had gathered for you anything like that anything along those lines um the um there's a lady that's helping the detective or mm -hmm. that has helped the detective before in the past mm -hmm. uh she was able to tell me recently that uh, somehow they got their information wrong and that my brother was no, never at New Life Ministries. Hmm. In fact, New Life Ministries was never a shelter. No, it's it not. That's right. It's not. It, yeah, it was just a church. Mm -hmm. uh, they help out with food pantry and that's it. Mm -hmm. and, uh, it and it's in Sarasota and it's not in Orlando, but... Somehow, you know, if anybody looks up for any of the listeners, if they look up this case, they're going to find the New Life Ministries, you know, name there. But that's it's not really true. We don't know that to be true. That's just a rumor. Yeah, and now it's no longer New Life Ministries. It's called New Life Worship Center. Right. It's not even ministries anymore. That's right. And it's a church center. But you did call down there, and you talked to somebody down there, and. Uh, what did you find out when you when you called down there? And that was just within the last uh, you know month month and a half. What did they tell you down there? Uh, they told me that uh, I spoke with a lady. She told me that she did not remember seeing anybody like this. 
and I asked her if they were a shelter. She said no. She said um, pretty much what I what I said earlier is that it's a it's a food pantry and just a church. That's it. Mm-hmm. So she really wasn't able to give me very much information. And I'd send her some of my brother's uh, posters and age progress pictures. And what year was this, though, that he was allegedly seen? Uh, if we're to believe it, it, what what year was it that he was allegedly seen at this New Life Ministries? It wasn't recently, was it? No. No. What year? It was in, I'm sorry. What year was it when he was seen there? It was in 2003. So it's like 13 years ago. So you can kind of understand there might not be the same people working there. It might not even have the same minister who's the – if it was New Life Ministries and changed its name – and everybody could have moved on, you know, to other things. Uh, was was it their common when you called down there? You found this out. Was it common for them to at the this pantry for them to ask for ID? Um, she had originally told me that they don't ask for ID. Mm-hmm. So we're not even sure how, even if he was there, how they would even know that it was him, unless. He offered up some form of ID. Yeah, in fact, I was told though recently by the lady that's working that has worked with the detective mm-hmm. that Chris was never there. She said that they mm-hmm. had read the or she had read the information wrong in the in the files or in the case, and that wow. Chris was actually at a place called. Um, Matinee Glens, which is now Centerstone. And what is that? It's, um, I believe it's a mental health and uh, drug, uh, drug, uh, drug center, or mm-hmm. it's it's there to help people uh, with issues that they're having. Mm-hmm. And. Would this have been around the same time of 2003 or would have been more recently? Did she happen to say – did she happen to tell you that? Either way. It it was exactly on the date that they had originally told me that Chris was at the other place. It was June June of 2003, right? Yes, June 25th of 2003. So, yeah, so Chris had never been there. Instead, um, Chris – somebody brought Chris – to the Florida Department of Children's and Families, mm-hmm. uh, and um, they spoke with him. They were uh, he was working, or they were working with him on the adult so- services. Mm-hmm. And they said that basically that Chris wasn't showering, shaving, and that he's not able to manage his daily activities. That's what they told me. They they said it was ADLS. So I wrote that down. Um, what does ADL for the listeners? What does ADLS mean? Uh, ADLS means activities of daily living, um, not able to manage activities of daily living. Okay. And do you have any idea who would have brought him to this facility? Is that, I guess that's something that we, we don't know at this point. As far as I was told is that Chris was dropped off. Chris was either dropped off uh, here at the... Um, department families right here mm-hmm. and then after that Chris was in uh, the Matnick Lens mm-hmm. place and then when he was there in the Matnick Lens 
which is now Centerstone again, mm-hmm. uh, they diagnosed him with uh, bipolar. But they didn't test him for autism or anything. You have okay. to actually ask for that. Okay. Okay. But at some point, they let him out. They let him go on his own recognizance, right? They they just after two weeks. After two weeks. After two weeks, they released him, and they called uh, New Life uh, Shelter. Is what I was told. New Life Shelter, mm-hmm. and uh, tried to get him in there. They would not take him. So then, they got in contact with the Salvation Army. Salvation Army would take him, but. Chris never got there. He never made it. That was the last known sighting of him. Wow. Wow. When did you find out all of this information? This woman, and we should clarify for the listeners, this uh, woman works for the Orlando Police Department, right? She's working with a detective in the police depart- in the Orlando Police Department. Yes, and she's being as... as, as, as um, I was just thankful she gave me this information. Yeah, she sounds like she's really doing really doing a nice job for you, Lyle. I'm glad that you've uh, found somebody who is who within law enforcement that's being helpful, especially considering this is a you know case that you know you could say I guess is 13 years old, you know you know at least. Um, but you and I had had a conversation before we started this interview that you know one of the I think the points that makes your your case particularly unique and difficult is that you have essentially two you have a police department in a totally different city involved in a disappearance where a person was your brother was last seen in a totally different city right this is this has made it tough for you hasn't it yeah it has what kind of help have you gotten? Have you been able to make any inroads with the Sarasota Police Department? No, they said that there was no case to open because uh, right after my father died, um, I spoke with uh, the detective working that was working on the case, and mm-hmm. he had told me that um, he was well. He'd actually told me some things about my father. He'd said that my brother showed up. Uh, at his place was asking him if he could please come out there and stay. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was trying to get, uh, I guess, a place to stay and get a, um, be safe. And my your, father told me. Your Chris, Chris was trying to find a place again, uh, in Orlando. This is what the police told you. And your father didn't want to have anything to do with him. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, my, uh, my father just totally turned him away. And, uh, Chris, um, all the while your your father was telling you that Chris was just fine, you know, when these conversations yeah. that you were having with him back, you know, between 2000, you know, the early 2000s. Meanwhile, he's turning yeah. Chris away. Yeah. Wow. Um, and that was what a policeman found. When did you find that out? That, that, um, that I found that out actually when I was there at the hospice care center. Mm. I was. I was supposed to meet with the detective twice, and it was canceled. Uh, he had other stuff he had to do, so he couldn't. He never. I never got a chance to meet with him there. Mm-hmm. Um, then he told me he was going to close the case. Um, you know, and then I got really upset. You know, not angry, upset, but I was just. 
Stalin. You I know, bet. And, yeah. But. Um, In fact, you were told at one point that this case, Christopher's case, was being handled by homicide, weren't you? He is a homicide detective. He is. Yeah. And recently I spoke with him, and he said, because I asked him, well, why was Chris's case never turned over to missing persons? And he told me that homicide is missing persons. He says they handle all those cases. Yeah. Yeah, Lila, when it comes to the police, and it's uh, if you don't know this, uh, I'm going to tell you this is the you know Melissa, missing persons departments in police in police departments are not considered to be you know the best quote unquote best jobs. I think policemen want to aspire to be sergeants and they want to aspire to be homicide detectives. And this is a conversation that really on this show got started when Kelly Murphy was on here talking about it, that you know, missing persons department are considered to be the lowest of the lowest of the lowest. There's a lot of turnover. Uh, I think a lot of cops get burnt out because, frankly, there are so many disappearance cases that happen in the United States, and a, a lot of them are real disappearances, and a lot of them aren't. You know. Yeah. And so when you tell me and what the listeners should know is that when you're told that you know missing the missing persons department is part of the homicide department, it's almost a guarantee, unfortunately, that the homicides are getting all the attention and the missing people aren't. You know? yeah. So that's why I can I say bef again that uh, it's good that you've found a, a woman here in the Orlando Police Department that is willing to talk to you. And, you know, willing to, uh, you know, give you some information that, I mean, some of this stuff she's telling you, you've never heard before in the last 13 years, right? Yeah, but see, the thing about it is, is that it was the detective that um, told her to call me, I believe, mm -hmm. because he did not close the case after all. He says he was leaving it open, he That's said, good. Because, good. because the Sarasota Police Department wouldn't open it. Mm -hmm. And thing about it is that I'm just not concerned about getting stuff out there in Sarasota about Chris, getting mm -hmm. information about Chris out there, but I also need to be able to get it in Bradenton because uh, the hospital that he was in, mm -hmm. it was actually in Bradenton, Florida. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. So it's Sarasota and Bradenton. If people don't know, Bradenton and Sarasota are two – Decent-sized cities uh, in Florida that are very close to each other, very close. Yeah. They're almost they're right next to each other, really. Yeah. Um, the lady that's helped the detective with the case, mm -hmm. uh, she's more. I think he uses works with her. I think she's there as as more of a advocate, I believe, because she doesn't have access to the records. He's the one that has access to the records. Mm -hmm. She just gets what he gives her right all right do you think that um being that you're you're not the of course the mother of chris you're his sister do you think that this would have been easier to do if you were his mother for example or if you know if he was your father it's you know, I've had some sisters of missing people on the show, and it's really not a, a topic that's popped up yet. But do you think that you've had a problem accessing some of this information because you are just a sister and you're not his mother, for example? Yeah. Yes, I do. You do. You've you've talked about the HIPAA laws in re regarding 
him being in this hospital and it, it's yeah, it's they're... it's hard to get a, they don't really want to tell you anything because of that yes they're not talking to me i've i've called and i've tried to get information and i, I couldn't get anything no uh, the only thing i got was the diagnosis and that was it and that was the only testing you know he ever had right um, have you ever you haven't been able to ever figure out how he made it and nobody's been able to tell you this how he went from Orlando to the Bradenton Sarasota area that you still have no idea how that happened do you No I don't I was told at one point from the detective that uh, these guys that my brother was working for put him on a bus mm-hmm. or not put him on the uh, well yes put him on the bus and then recently he said well that he wasn't put on a bus he was just brought to the bus depot, um, I guess bus depot, mm-hmm. or but um, I don't know. I know he doesn't drive. Um, as far as I know, he doesn't have a bike. He never really had one when we were kids either. So I don't even know if he even knew how to ride a bike. He, um, as far as I know, he was getting every place on foot. Mm-hmm. Maybe hitchhiking. Yeah. But I hope not hitchhiking. I hope he wasn't. Do you believe – I have to ask you this. Do you think there's any chance that when he got out of the hospital in Bradenton that he went back to Orlando to see your father in the hopes of maybe moving in with him again? Is that possible? I doubt it because the last time I spoke, I've been speaking with um, the well, one of the persons that my brother stayed with. Back then, uh, it was my husband's uh, girlfriend's mom. I've mm. been speaking with her mm-hmm. because I don't know if I've told you, but I, you know, I have a, mm. a, a younger sister now. She's ten. Okay. Um, she'll be eleven soon. So uh, I I spoke with her, and um, I'm so sorry. I forgot. I forgot what I was going to say. I forgot the question. I was asking you, do you think it's possible that Chris, after getting out of the hospital, decided to go back to Orlando and live with your father? No. No. Or I don't know if that could have been after he had already asked our father if he could come stay with him. Mm-hmm. Nobody's given me – I did not get a time for this or a date for this. The only date I have is the date that he went missing. And that was once again in June of 2003. Uh, but there's no there's no record of him ever going back there. Nobody ever saw him in Orlando after that date at, at any time. Uh, and given that your father seemed to have, you know, passed him off to these guys, and you still have no idea who these guys were, right? To this day, you have no idea. No. None. I don't know. All I know is that. They might not uh, have been safe guys. Might not have been. Might not have been good guys. Yeah. Good people. Okay. okay. Yeah. And Chris, uh, the last time he spoke with the lady that I was talking about earlier, um, my brother had told her that our father was being. Um, he could not get along with our father. Our father was being mean and she told me our father was being mean to my brother mm-hmm. um, 
So he said he was leaving and going to uh, Key West. But there's been no evidence that he ever went to Key West. There's only evidence. Well, what I mean by evidence is what mm. the detectives mm -hmm. is of Sarasota and Bradenton, Florida. Right. When you say – we don't have to say who the woman is, but he – uh, Chris told her this in what year? What 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 time frame of that? Because we want to keep the time frame straight for the listeners. What what year would that have been? It doesn't have to be a month, but a year. Two thousand and one. Two thousand one. So he said he might be going to Key West, but then a couple years later he ends up in Bradenton, Sarasota, and once again, so the listeners don't have to check a map. Key West and Bradenton and Sarasota are nowhere near each other. So. Yeah, and. And that could have been between 2001 and 2002, but I, I mean 2000, okay. 2000 or 2001, okay. but I believe she told me 2001. All she we know is all we know is, is that at some point he ended up in, in Bradenton, Sarasota, you know, yeah. essentially by himself because you don't, you don't have any records. You don't have any belief to believe that your father ever moved there, right? No, our father moved around a lot, though. Okay. He moved around maybe – Two, three times after we left. Okay. So there's a chance Chris wouldn't have even been able to find him. And if Chris was, our our father wouldn't have helped him. Mm. Uh, the last time, right before um, our father got so sick, he told me that I just asked him because I'd been feeling like he'd been holding me back for years. I'd mm. asked him for years since Chris went missing, since the 2000s. If he could please do a police report, yeah. please, because he's down there. He always told me he either didn't have the money for gas or that he could, he was working or he just couldn't do it. We had that conversation many of times. So mm -hmm. I asked him not that long ago before he died if how he felt about Chris, if he loved my brother. Mm -hmm. He gave me the worst answer I could have ever gotten in the whole entire world. He told me that... He did not love Chris. He said he did not know Chris, which it wouldn't mm. have been Chris's fault. That's his fault for never being there for us yeah. when we were growing up. Yeah. 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 Well, that, you know, when you, I, I'm sure when the listeners hear that, they're going to know exactly the reason that you were, you know, um, very worried about leaving Chris with him, you know, even well before you, you know, back in 1999, you know, when you, you had these ideas that Chris was better off with you than anybody else, yeah. you know, and I, and of course it now appears that, um, that would have been the case. I need to ask you something, even though we have this sighting in 2003 and in, in, in and everything, is it possible that the, given now that what your father said about your brother, is it possible that he might have done something to Chris? Have you ever thought? Does that go through your mind? I need yeah. I need to ask because the listeners are going to wonder. Yeah, that's gone through my mind, and I hope so extremely not because it's one of the worst things you could ever imagine. But it is. Yes, it is. I brought uh, that up to the detective. And he said he did investigate my father, and he says he did not think that was possible. But I don't know. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I hope not. Right. 
what are you doing? I mean, the listeners should know something. That you, when you contact me once again, and I deeply appreciate Cynthia Karen um, for having getting you, her telling her telling you to contact me to be on the show, and I deeply, deeply appreciate her, uh, you know, doing that. Um, what are you know? What do you? What's your plans now? What are you doing now to continue to get the word out? Besides this show, you've been telling me about some other things. Uh, that you've been doing to, to try to track down what happened to your brother? What are some of those things? I'm working on doing a um, a website. I um, haven't gotten very far with it, but it's mm-hmm. it's called it, Ignored and Homeless. Mm-hmm. And it's just not for those that are homeless it's it's for those that are also it's just for 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 everybody Mm -hmm. that's going through something like this and i'm working on putting my brother's posters on there i'm just learning all this this um media type stuff now i've I've never done this kind of stuff ever before Mm -hmm. but i've come to a realization that i have to begin to know this stuff so i could try to do more to find chris so i'm working on that i have um a, a page on um, Facebook called Missing Christopher Hine. Mm-hmm. I'm constantly putting posts on there of Chris. Miss Carolyn has put uh, made videos for me. She's mm-hmm. actually she's the one that did the posters for me. She has offered. She's really been helpful. I know she has. Yeah, that's great. And um, mm-hmm. I'm going to. I'm just working on trying to get more pictures out there. I'm even sending the detective um, an email that Miss Karen helped me with um, mm-hmm. asking for him to please um, speak with Crime Stoppers about my brother to where I'm yeah. hoping that that will help get my brother's picture maybe on Billboard, you know, maybe one in Bradenton, maybe one in Sarasota to be able to hopefully offer a reward, do anything there, everything there is to, to, to help me to find Chris because I'm hoping, I'm prayerfully hoping that I find Chris alive, that I can go to wherever he is mm-hmm. and, and find him and get him. How old would he be now? How old would Chris be now? Uh, Chris would be about 41 now, I believe. 40, 41 wow. now. And I haven't seen him for about... Uh, I haven't seen him since he was like 20, 22, 20, yeah, 22. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 17, yeah. 18 years, something like that. Yeah. Wow. Um, you're doing some videos, though, too. You're put, you we were talking about before we started this interview. You're putting, you're going to have a YouTube channel, right? Yeah. You're, you're putting together some videos of uh, your brother with some audio with it, right? Yes. Yes, I am. Good. That's, that's good, too. That. That's good, too. Um, when we had originally talked the first time after we got off uh, the phone, as you know, I'd done just a little bit of searching uh, for you, and that's how we came up with that New Life Ministries thing. But something else that we had discovered is that there is a record, although we don't have a specific address, there is a record of Chris being in – there's a place called Onoki, Onoko, yeah. that that is on USSearch.com. You can find that – 
there is an address that he was living at or something. That's the only way that would pop up there. And yeah, well, yes. And well, the good and the good news about that is that for all the listeners and for you, and I think I told you this at the time, that generally the only people that end up being on a search like that are people who are still alive. But I, I think you have every reason to be hopeful, you know, you know, now, you know, and it may be that a few months down the road, some things are going to break for you and, and you're going to find them. I, you know, as you know, a lot of disappearance cases don't have happy endings, but I, in this one, I think you have a lot of good information to go on. I think that it seems to me like you've done quite a bit in the last few months. You know, you've gotten quite a few leads, and we can only hope that that continues. I hope so. Yeah. How's the rest of your family handling this? I know you have children. You have a husband. Are they helping you through this, Lila? They're being supportive. Yeah. They're being supportive. Yeah, my my husband's been helping me. He's trying to help me with the, uh, the video. In fact, mm-hmm. he helped me um, recently with the video, and... We're just going to keep working at it to where I'm sure that I get everything that I need to say right. or we'll give as much information as I can about Chris. Do you have any plans uh, at some point, maybe in 2017, let's say, to actually go down to the Bradenton, Sarasota area and, you know, look around for a little bit? I know that's not cheap. You know, maybe you'll have to start a, a GoFundMe page. And if you do, I hope you let me know so I can help you out. Um, have you thought about that in 2017, possibly? I've wanted to go out there for a very long time. Um, mm. I just didn't know how I was going to be able to. But it's already—it's been suggested to me about GoFundMe. Miss Karen mm-hmm. uh, suggested it to me. You suggested it to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just had a problem with making the video because they say you need to make a video for it. Yeah, it but I'm going to do it. I'm just okay. nervous. I'm just nervous because I just don't see anybody really being able to help. Well, I think that what you have to do, and once again, this is just you know me talking, what I've learned from talking to all these you know, other people that I've interviewed so far, is that you just have to, you know, don't go down there until you have a plan. Yeah. You know, this on the first day we're going to do this, on the second day you're going to do that, and that's all you can do. There's no guarantees, but uh, if you're thinking about doing it, just don't go down there with your fingers crossed. You know, have a plan of what you're going to do, where you're going to go, you know, every day. And I think that's the way you can maximize that visit, that visit down there. You know, once again, uh, if you're going to do something that like that, I want to help you, you know, out with this show. My listeners maybe can donate, you know, to this, you know, to this trip that you may make. And, you know, I hope you'll let me know about that. Okay. Any last words? Lila, you know, before we finish the interview, it's it's. Uh, I think this has been a, uh, you know, great interview. Uh, but any last words? Um, just if anybody has any information uh, mm-hmm. about my brother, about Christopher, mm-hmm. um, if you could please, <laughs> um, let me know. Contact the Orlando Police Department or uh, Mr. Dinsdale. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing That's all right, Mr. Denzel, that's fine. You can just call me Ed. Uh, okay. You know what I'm going to also do, besides this show, you know, and the listeners know that I live in Florida, and really I don't live that far away from Bradenton and Sarasota. 
uh, I will be posting on not the not the not just my show page, but also on my Edward Densel page. Being that I know several people down that way, I'm going to be posting Christopher's picture on there. Who knows? Something will break loose. I have a lot of friends that are very active down in that area, mainly with a hobby that I have, disc golf. But I know a lot of people down that way, and maybe one of them, you know, will uh, recognize them. We'll just have to see. That would be great. Okay, Lila. Really appreciate it. Lila, thank you for uh, – it's been a pleasure getting to know you, and I know we're going to continue to talk, but I want to specifically thank you for being on this episode of Unfound. And that was my interview with Lila Savoy, sister of Christopher Hyde. I want to thank Lila for coming on the show. And I also thank Cynthia Karen from LostAndMissing.com who let me know about this case and put me in contact with Lila. Thank you, Cynthia. There are many things that strike me uh, – as I listened to the interview, not just when it was being done originally, but in the time since then that I've listened to it in preparing to do this show. What sticks out to me most of all, and I, I'm going to say that this is probably a fact in all sorts of cases like Christopher's, in that it seemed like everything that could go wrong in this family's life at one time did. Uh, Lila's mother died, and then the brother died, and you know they had to move to Florida, and then Lila's husband lost his jobs, and when they moved back to Texas, it was, and of course, the failings of the father. It's just nothing. It just seemed like for a period, it seemed a couple years in the life of Christopher, Lila and the rest of the family, it seems like just everything went wrong, nothing went right. And if any of those things that went wrong had gone right, maybe Lila and her family today wouldn't be in the situation that they're in searching for Christopher. That's the one big point that strikes me about all of this. If just one more thing had gone right, all of this could have been avoided. Something else that strikes me uh, about this case, and I think that we can extrapolate this out to all missing cases, is that the more a person has a routine in his or her life, whether it has to do with family or a job or whatever else, the easier it is to quickly determine whether that person has gone missing or not. If they're supposed to be at this place at 8 a.m. and then at noon and then at 4, and if they happen to miss this appointment or that appointment, people can very quickly start looking for that person. I think that's what's probably so difficult about tracking people, once again, who are homeless, off the grid, aren't documented, that they virtually have no routine. They maybe don't have anywhere that they have to be at any particular time. And we don't realize how tough that is, those kinds of people are to track down until you actually start trying to find a person like that. It's hard to know where to start. Whereas in, peop in cases with people who have more established routines, 
it seems to be a lot easier. And in fact, I think that in this case, that's why I think that the the facts got so screwed up at some point because you will find in many places regarding Christopher's disappearance that they talk about this New Life Ministries uh, place. I think Lila and I finally decided that we don't think that Christopher was ever really there. In fact, it's kind of hard looking back at it now how that even that story even got started. Whereas as you heard in the interview, Lila talked about how there is strong evidence that Christopher was at this place called Centerstone. It's now called Centerstone, Centerstone in Bradenton. And that New Life Ministries had nothing to do with Christopher. Once again, I think this is what happens when you start looking for somebody who doesn't have a regular routine. Also, I think it's important to remember, most importantly, that Christopher himself did not ask for this. And I wonder if the rest of us, when we see if it seems to be somebody who is homeless or living on the streets, whatever the case may be, somebody with bipolar disorder or autism who who doesn't have a routine, who doesn't seem to have a home. We have to remember that in most of those cases, this is not what this person wanted. And in fact, it's easy to see in this case, I don't think that Christopher ended up in a situation that he liked, a situation that he wanted. It's obvious to me, and I think that it's obvious to Lila, that her father just didn't want to have anything to do with him, simply put. And I don't think that that was something that Christopher necessarily wanted to go along with, but what was he to do? What I also thought was interesting uh, about Lila's story is that She wanted to do something about her brother. She loves him deeply. You could hear in the interview uh, when she remembered seeing him for the last time. You heard that period of silence there. That it's amazing how we just – just time flies by. I I think that she you know, left Florida way back when thinking that she'd see her brother in a couple months and that would be that. And then this happened and that happened. And as she expressed uh, in the interview, you know, she had her own life to lead. She had children. Of course, she still continues to have children. She has her own responsibilities. The rest of her family has their own responsibilities. She's hoping that her father is doing the right thing. And it turns out that he wasn't. To the point where, as you heard her say, that. You know, her father never really loved Chris, which I, I don't, I can't imagine, you know, how she really felt uh, when he, I know she talked about it, but the emotions going at, at that time for her must have been completely unbelievable. But we do get caught up in our own circumstances and hey, we all have, we all have important circumstances. Those were the responsibilities that Lila had, and it's just amazing how fast time passes by. And one more note, this is a personal note, 
regarding this episode, and it didn't make it too much into the interview. We kind of kept out of it, and, and as you know on this show, I don't mention too many names when it comes to talking about people in derogatory terms, but I'm really disgusted what I heard regarding private investigators and what they're, they charge and things like that over the course of talking to Lila and getting to know her and a, a couple of the stories uh, that she told me. Uh, I think the private investigator community has to do better than what they did for Lila in this case. And I'm so happy to hear that she seems to have gotten, at least in the last few months, some help from the police in Orlando, not in Bradenton or Sarasota, unfortunately, but in Orlando regarding her brother. And that's good to hear because uh, she hasn't gotten much at all from the private places she's talked to. And, and that's really, really disappointing. I look forward to keeping in touch with Lila. I think eventually she will be coming down to the Bradenton, Sarasota area. And if she does, I hope she'll let me know. I'd love to help her out in some way regarding that. If she's going to start a GoFundMe page to do that, I'm surely going to let all of you know about it so you can contribute uh, in any way that you can to her trip to go down there for three days, five days, seven days, whatever the case may be, to try to get to the bottom uh, of this disappearance. And maybe she'll find her brother down there. I think the, the odds are good. And when she does that, I'll let all of you know, and I'll let you know how that goes. I'm Ed Denzel, and you've been listening to Unfound. Unfound.